It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. What are we talking about? I don't know. I wasn't in that meeting, but I'm just assuming. Are all Toronto Blue Jays fans losers? You know what I'm going to become? A really, really obnoxious Bills fan. I got so passionate in that argument that I hit the mic with my hat. I cried like a little girl. <laughs> what is wrong with people? No, I'm saying I could have done what Speed does because I do that every time I golf. You're such a moron. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you because you're really creepy. Oh, more bacon. Everything is better with more bacon. Tom Brady wears Uggs. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning, and thanks for starting the weekend by tuning into the Beyond the Game program. We're certainly glad to have you along. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, and you can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson, and joining me are those guys, Zach Barletta, Darren Metzger, we invite you to give our website a visit, btgprogram.com. You can also interact with the show on Twitter, at btgprogram. That same handle works for other social media platforms as well. You can call our studio line, 585-431-1202, 585-431-1202. The program is pre-recorded, so if you call the studio line, you're really just calling to leave your thoughts on our answering machine, which... You're welcome to do. We love to hear them, and sometimes they'll even make their way onto the air. <laughs> Hilarious video coming out of last Saturday night's Mariners game in Seattle. The Mariners were playing the Cardinals when in the fifth inning, Matt Carpenter hits a fly ball to left field that Seth Smith was easily able to run down. You know, fairly routine fly ball that mm -hmm. was made less routine when a fan ran onto the field and right through two outfielders as they were converging on the ball. In fact, Smith actually had to adjust his route a little to the ball just to avoid the guy. The fan, of course, was eventually tackled by security and removed. And don't you think those security guards put a little something extra into it when they bring one of these clowns down? Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's just a little extra elbow or shoulder or something to it. Sometimes that's more entertaining when the game, when one of those guys just gets leveled by a security guard. If you saw the video, the guy comes out of nowhere just just as the ball is about to drop in Sesame's glove. I mean, it's just crazy. I don't know where he came from. Must have came over the center field. I have no idea. He's just all of a sudden he's there as the two outfielders are lining up this fly ball. Now I didn't recall this, but I saw the the video on Twitter and then I saw this article. But a CBS Sports article reminded readers of a game back in 1993, and I had forgotten all about this. I once I read this, it started coming back to me. Between the Yankees and the Red Sox, when a fan ran onto the field and disrupted the game, the Red Sox at the time were up three to one. <clears throat> excuse me, with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, when Mike Stanley hits a fly ball to left, very similar to the play you saw the other night in Seattle. Only in this instance, the fan was not near the defenders making a play on the ball. He was somewhere around the infield, if I recall right. The umpires immediately called timeout. The pitcher was he was already in motion but had not released the ball at the time the umpire called timeout. He follows through with the pitch. The ball's hit in the air. It came down 
you know, for out number three and game over. But only it wasn't since the umpires had called timeout. The play was dead and did not count. So the game goes on and the Yankees actually rally for a walk-off win. Yankees win! The Yankees win! Who is Ashley Lynn and just what did she do? Who is Ashley Lynn? That's the question that has been in the mind of millions of people worldwide this past week. Well, maybe at least a few hundred people anyway. Do you guys, do you follow the WWE at all? No, not even a little bit. Really? I did back in the Hulkamania days, you know, the George the Animal Steel and Macho Man Randy Savage. And I just don't, I think it's like boxing now. There's no big personalities like that anymore. Oh, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I mean, there's still, I don't know any of them, I suppose. Now that you say that, I'm trying to think <laughs> of one for you. But um, I do see their advertisements from time to time. And though I can't think of one because I'm an idiot, <laughs> I, I know, I know they're out there. But anyway, I used to, I used to follow. Somebody actually gave me tickets one time, and seeing it live was amazing. For one, and I hope I'm not ruining it for you, but uh, you can see how fake it is when you see it live. And again, mm-hmm. I hope I'm not ruining. I should have told people to turn turn away from the radio if you don't want to hear the truth. But the athleticism of these wrestlers, these guys are very good athletes. For they're quick, they're nimble, they're uh, for big guys, it was, I was very impressed by the by the athleticism. But one of the inner circle things of wrestling is some of the signs fans bring, hoping to get on TV. Typically, there's always a couple of funny signs which make their way onto the Monday Night Raw broadcasts. This past week, though, one fan set Twitter into a frenzy with her mysterious sign. It went viral as people speculated, "Who is Ashley Lynn?" And wondering what was the terrible thing she did. A woman a woman was seen holding a sign which read, Ashley Lynn lied and destroyed the family. You would wow. think that well yeah. And it it went viral. If you if you look up hashtag Ashley Lynn, I'm sure you'll see something about it. And you would think that perhaps this was a jilted romantic interest, perhaps, but Apparently, however, it was just a broken-hearted woman wanting to set the record straight regarding this one <laughs> Ashley Lynn. The following day, at Kimmy Blaze, who says she is the sign holder's daughter, took to Twitter to clear the air and tell the story. So just who is Ashley Lynn? According to at Kimmy Blaze, she's her, quote, crazy lying cousin. All right. In a series of tweets, she says, about five years ago, my mom took in her youngest brother, Mark, and his three youngest children because they needed help. Unfortunately, Mark passed away suddenly last September. Ashley had no longer lived there, but the two youngest are still there. Since then, there has been crazy drama. Now, just you can picture the trailer park, right? Oh, that's what I have in my mind. No doubt. Ashley keeps telling other family members that there was some kind of money, but somehow my mom, in parentheses, the saint, Spent it, among other terrible things. Unfortunately, there was no money. I don't know. How many tweets must this have been? Oh, my gosh. This would have been. I mean, this would have been. If you follow her, your timeline would have just been exploded. (laughs) Unfortunately, there was no money, and it caused other members of our family to accuse my mom and my uncle's youngest kids of horrible crap that isn't true, thus causing a huge rift in the family. My mom never says anything, but she had enough. So she just happened to have great seats at, hashtag WWE Tampa and most of the family watches 
So she made a public service announcement to the family. <laughs> By the way, at Kimmy Blaze also pointed out they also ended up taking her sign away. And there you have it, the mystery of Ashley Lynn solved by the crack team here at Beyond the Game. And who knows what other sorts of trouble that little Ashley Lynn is causing. I've heard she's been spreading rumors of a nasty little tryst with Darren, but uh, we will. <laughs> it's oh, a toss-up at this point. We have uh, you, You've got those great Chuck Norris one-liners, and oh, they yeah. are great, by the way. Things like if Chuck Norris came up with a Chuck Norris fact, it would be better than this one. <laughs> Pluto is not a planet because Chuck Norris said no. <laughs> I haven't heard those ones. Chuck Norris can ride a unicycle and pop a wheelie. <laughs> These are hey, good. The, who doesn't like those? They're amazing. They'll, ne- they'll never get old for me. Oh, I love them. Well, maybe it's time to start coming up with Tim Tebow facts because the legend just continues to grow. On a recent flight from Atlanta to Phoenix, a passenger suffered a medical emergency. Both passengers and crew members alike took care of the man until the plane landed. One of those passengers was none other than legendary NFL quarterback Tim Tebow. Is that a little strong? You're rolling. You're, you've got a look on your face when I said legendary <laughs> NFL quarterback. Should I have left the NFL out and just said legendary quarterback? Legendary, I think, is accurate, as long as you hadn't said legendary NFL great Tim Tebow. Reports say that Tebow left, left his seat in first class and stayed in the back of the plane to pray with the ill man's wife and other passengers. Despite paramedics meeting the victim on the runway, reports say that the man did later die at the hospital. A spokesman for the airline praised the actions of the crew and other passengers. As of the time we recorded this broadcast, Tebow hasn't yet commented, but multiple reports do confirm the incident. Sad to hear that the man passed away, but I would hope that the prayers and support shown by Tebow and others leave an impact of his family left behind. I actually read that the guy's heart had stopped and that when Tebow prayed, it restarted again. I read that, too. I don't know how accurate that is, but, I mean, come on. I don't know, but he did. Reports are that he did pass away. Coming up today on the program, we have a very special guest, very special guest who will be joining us, the president of Roberts Wesleyan College, Dr. Dina Porterfield, will talk Roberts Athletics with us. Plus, we'll have many of our regular segments such as Shenanigans, Pests of the Week, and more. Do stick around. I think it's going to be a pretty good show. Today on Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country, Pest Solutions. Listen up, Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, and every other place that can hear this radio station. If you have a pest problem, don't waste your time with any company that's not named Town & Country Pest Solutions. I was a customer before they were the title sponsor of this show, and trust me, they know what they're doing. They have nearly three decades of experience ridding homes of wasps, bees, ants, roaches, bedbugs, squirrels, raccoons, snakes. Yes, I've seen a video of them taking care of a very large snake. You name it, Town & Country Pest Solutions handles it. They're so serious about solving your critter problems that they have an actual American Ninja Warrior on their team who will stop at nothing to get the job done. He can also get up on your roof without a ladder. What could be better? Pest problems solved and a show. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time, write this down, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear absolutely nothing but God. 
I've been telling you about McAfee's remodeling company on this show for a long time. They're family-owned and have been in business for nearly two decades. They're great for all your interior and exterior home remodeling needs, but they also do much more. McAfee's Remodeling is now proud to offer Hydro Garden construction to help you become more self-sufficient by growing food in your own home year-round. And they are now proud to be offering skylights and light tunnel installation. Light tunnels bring more healthy natural light into your home, allowing you to use less artificial light and save on electricity. So give McAfee's Remodeling a call at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. It is my great honor now to welcome to the program the president of Roberts Wesleyan College, Dr. Dana Porterfield, joins us on the Beyond the Game program. Dr. Porterfield, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you spent many years with a university out west, and you've come to Roberts just a couple years ago in 2014. How are you finding life here in the east? I love it. As a matter of fact, one of the things I uh, enjoy the most is the change in climate. I came from Southern California, which may sound uh, very exciting, but when the weather is exactly the same the entire year, it doesn't give you the nice variety and the beautiful um, landscape that we have in the Rochester area in western New York. It's absolutely gorgeous, and I love everything about it, even the snow. Not too many people say they love the snow, but I'm glad I know. It. <laughs> it can't be coincidental, but since you've arrived on co- on campus, the athletics program at Roberts Wesleyan has been reaching some very lofty goals. For instance, this past uh, year alone, the school won six East Coast Conference championships. In your opinion, what's been the key for such success in athletics? Right. Yes, and that's actually six conference titles in the last two years, which is really exciting. Um, I think one of the significant changes actually happened just uh, before I arrived, which was the moving to NCAA Division Two. The caliber of athletes uh, that we have been enrolling and the students that we've seen come and the level of competition, even within the East Coast Conference, has made a significant difference in our ability to continue on and make really a statement for who we are athletically. And so, um, one of, that's one of the significant changes. I also think that, um, stepping to an NCAA Division II level changes how our coaches approach their work. Um, we have a new athletic director, Bob Seagave, that uh, just stepped in this last year. And so we're seeing a lot of movement towards really leaning into our athletes, what it means to be a student athlete, and what it means to represent the D2 uh, division for NCAA in our region. Now, would you consider yourself, are you a large sports fan? I think I am. <laughs> Have you adapted I am a to favorite fan. teams um, here on the East? <laughs> well, I really got into the orange during the Syracuse playoffs. I got to tell you, um, I was I was rooting for both the men and the women, and I was traveling during the time and just trying to watch those games as best that I could. And I have to say, I'm slowly becoming a Buffalo Bills fan, and I actually went to a game last year and uh, found that it was a uh, Miami Dolphins game, which I understand is a pretty competitive piece for the Bills, and um, had a wonderful game there, and uh, I'm cheering for them this year, especially because we have a first-round draft pick this year, so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for us. This is a very passionate Buffalo Bills fan base here. 
Oh, yes. Well, and it's hard not to get uh, excited about it and root for them, especially at the beginning of the season when it looks like things are going good. <laughs> How important, Dr. Porterfield, are athletics, not only to the student athlete, but also to the overall environment on the college campus? I think any time a student is involved in an extracurricular activity, especially something like athletics, it brings a nuance to the campus of, of discipline, of character, of energy, of the different pieces that can really drive a campus forward. And so for us, over 25% of our student body are athletes and competing for us. And that really brings a different flavor to our campus. And you see students out encouraging each other, the different teams encouraging each other, different students encouraging each other. And it brings this really real sense of who we are and what um, it means to be a Red Hawk to be really honest with you, and a real pride in what it means to be a Red Hawk, especially when you're able to compete at the level we're competing and bring home conference titles. We had a national title this year uh, at the National Christian College Athletic Association for our women's basketball team. Anytime we're able to go and compete um, beyond just the conference, um, which we were able to do this year, is significant for us. We're talking with Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, now, obviously, Roberts takes athletics fairly seriously, but for the second straight year, the school was also awarded the East Coast Conference Academic Success Rate Award after posting a 90% graduation success rate. How important does that academic achievement mean to you? Well, what we do is education. That is our first priority, and athletes coming alongside of that is just just enhances the experience. We are very proud to say that our average uh, academic GPA for our athletes is higher than the overall student body. And I think that's a rare statement that institute, an institution can make. And what that says to me is that our students are engaged in the classroom as much as they're engaged on the field or on the court. And that is very important. At Roberts, um, our commitment is that students will graduate being able to understand that a Roberts education is about connecting their head to their heart and engaging their hands. And so for athletes, they're learning that on the court and on the field already, how to serve, how to uh, be the best they can be, both academically and uh, within the community of Roberts Wesleyan and within the greater Rochester area. We've had a number of Roberts coaches on our program, as well as athletic director. You mentioned Bob Seagave, and I've really come to like and respect Bob a great deal since I've gotten to know him some can you talk about the job he's done and the role he's played in the success Roberts Wesleying is enjoying in its athletics department? Yes. So Bob has been in his position now one year, and he's been a great addition to uh, the leadership team. As you know, he was a basketball coach uh, for our women's team prior to that. And he's really stepped in with his gifts of understanding marketing, of understanding how to connect with the community, and then also having a vision of what sports Roberts needs to um, add to our portfolio and what that might look like for us. And I think he's done an outstanding job and for his first year really uh, made some connections for Roberts that we didn't have historically. Once again, it's my honor to be talking with Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. Student life is busy and the life of a student athlete can be extremely rigorous at times. Keeping a healthy balance between academics, athletics, and a student's walk with Christ must be a challenge. 
In your opinion, does the school have a responsibility to the student in this area? And are there things that Roberts does to help the student find that balance and maintain a close relationship with God? Yeah. Well, it's absolutely an important piece. You know, as we go out into life, we're all trying to figure out how to balance the priorities we have, the expectations we have uh, for our jobs, as well as our families and our relationship with Christ. And it's one of the things that we focus on here at Roberts is how do we help our athletes really understand what it means to perform with excellence in the classroom and on the field or on the court, but also to do that in a way that's honoring to God. And so, you know, our motto for 150 years has been education for character. What that means is how do we live out our lives in a way and learn how to put into practice tools and gifts that will allow us to transform this world for Christ, whatever that is, whether that's through athletics, whether that's through your major and your discipline, um, whatever profession that uh, that you may go into after you graduate, it is at the core of who we are. And honestly, there's a lot of institutions out there that educate and have athletics. The difference here at Roberts is the ability to connect that headpiece, the education, to the heart, which is really your spiritual formation and who God calls you to be, and then go out and take your hands and transform the world for him. That's our goal. And so we focus on that with our athletes and honestly with all of our students. I want a student that has gone through our program here to understand what it means to make a difference in this world and to reflect that and to be ethical and to have character and to be known as somebody that uh, stands out for who they are as a person and how God lives and moves in their lives. Would you mind sharing with us how you first came to Jesus, to know Jesus Christ as your Mm -hmm. Savior? Yes. Well, I grew up in church uh, my entire life. I was fortunate to have a family that uh, were, was committed uh, um, to Christ in their own personal lives and wanted that to be important for us. And so I grew up in the church, and honestly, when I was, uh, I think in kindergarten was the first time that I accepted Christ into my life, where my relationship really became real was in junior high, when I um, was at an interesting point in my life. My family was in some uh, difficult times. My parents were divorcing, and a friend of mine invited me to church, and very quickly, I was able to get involved in the youth group. And uh, the leadership through music, I was a pianist uh, for church. And that whole piece of going during a difficult time and engaging in the church and really finding what it meant to have a relationship with Christ on a daily basis changed my life. And um, I just never left my faith. It was not um, something that I, uh, or it, it's something that I've decided that I just cannot live without. I can't imagine doing life in a world like we live in today without the hope of Christ and um, the assurity of who he is in my life. Mm. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Oh, yes, always. Um, We would love for you to be praying for uh, Roberts, uh, Wesleyan College, for our students. Um, We have a new group of students that will be starting this fall and a group of returning students that will return. As you know, we have the traditional undergraduate, but we also have adult programs. And our mission of educating for character is something that we always pray about, pray for every student that comes and every student that we come in contact with, that their lives can be changed through this educational process that we are offering here on the west side of New York. Or, you know, I love that. Dr. Porterfield, I want to thank you for joining us, and I I wish you and the entire Roberts Wesleyan community great continued success. 
Thank you, Rick, and uh, blessings on your day. That's Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, taking time out of her day to join us here on the Beyond the Game program. If you're a prospective student athlete, or even if you know of a prospective student athlete, I would encourage you to consider Roberts Wesley. Talking to people like Dr. Porterfield or Bob Seagave, the athletic director, or some of the coaches that we've had on over the last couple of years, uh, these people are invested in the student-athletes. And I, I really I know a lot of people that have graduated. I'm sure there's plenty of good uh, colleges and universities around the country. You make the decision that's best for you, but at least give them a look. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country, Best Solutions. Your floors are under attack from overwatered plants to overflowing dog bowls. But the Home Depot has new water-resistant Pergo Outlast Plus laminate flooring starting at just $279 a square foot. So you and your floors get to fight back with 24-hour spill protection that stands up to liquids for a whole day without causing damage. The next generation of laminate flooring is Pergo Outlast Plus, starting at just $279 a square foot, exclusively from the Home Depot. More saving, more doing, U.S. only. Progressive presents Mindflowness with Flow. Your aura brims with confidence. The Name Your Price tool has given you policy options based on your budget. A source of great power rises from within, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex that can shoot dragons out of its eyes, riding on a tank. Get insurance based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Barry Bonds never took steroids. It's a faith-based sports radio program. Don't ruin it by being an idiot. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. Have a high moral standard. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. How silly can you get? You want to heckle blind people? That would make me soil my pants. Dude. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. Thanks for hanging with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson and those guys, Zach Barletta, Darren Metzger. Let's think about some of the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks. For instance, I had brought up during the NBA Finals, that I had finally seen that something out of LeBron James that Michael Jordan always seemed to have, that indescribable, you know, certain something that allowed him to elevate his game and sort of just put the team on his shoulders and carry them to victory seemingly single-handedly. I hadn't seen that in LeBron before, but there's no doubt that's what happened against Golden State. I still want to see more of that before I put him above Jordan. But then again, I'm an old school guy. Younger generations of fans, may they may put LeBron above Jordan, especially the way he played at leading his team to a championship this year. And then we also discussed, as many others did, who's the better player, Ichiro Suzuki or Pete Rose? Both you guys had Suzuki while I sided with Rose, which again stands to reason given our ages. In sports, that's what we do. We compare players, we compare teams, we compare stadiums, uniforms, whatever else we can size up. I always think it's very difficult to make a fair assessment when comparing players or teams from different eras, though. And it's funny, though not surprising, how often our opinions are weighted based on the guys that 
we're most familiar with, guys from our generation, guys that we saw play. What makes it difficult, I think, is that the game is played differently during different eras. Rules changes, equipment changes, strategies and and innovations change the games themselves. Here's an example. Think of how many more home runs guys would have hit in the 50s and 60s had they trained and bulked up the way they do today. Baseball players back then weren't as big as they are today. And think about how many more they would hit if they had that protective equipment which allowed them to lean over the plate. You might think of the way uh, a Barry Bonds would do or a Jose Canseco would do with those huge pieces of armor protecting their elbows. Zach, you asked an interesting question a few weeks ago during one of the segments when you asked if it'd be preferred to hang on to a career too long and play the the last few years poorly or to have a great career cut short by injury. Which would you prefer? And that's an interesting question because you take a guy like Ken Griffey Jr. and he came up as we were discussing it, of course, and who knows how he would compare to a Babe Ruth or a Hank Aaron or, or a Barry Bonds had he been able to stay healthy. And how can you compare an athlete who's had the benefit of performance-enhancing drugs? I think it's just unfortunate that I mentioned that right after Ken Griffey Jr. I'm not making any sort of insinuation, but it makes it difficult to compare a guy who suffered injury. We don't know what he would have been. It makes it difficult to compare a guy that uh, took performance-enhancing drugs because he got an unfair advantage. As the NBA season was winding down, you heard a lot of talk about how Steph Curry would not have succeeded in the league years ago, say during the 80s and 90s. It it was a much more physical game then. To which I say, who cares? He's not playing in the 80s and 90s. He's playing now. He's playing for this game right now. And he's among the best in the league. Of course, a shooter like Curry is not going to have the same success in another era, uh, you know, even before the three-point line. It's foolish to think that a three-point shooter is going to have success or the, at least the same type of success without that the benefit of that three-point line. It's like trying to compare guys in football from the pre-forward pass days to today. Teams and players are built and trained to succeed against the competition they face now, not to measure up against history. But it's sports talk radio, and it's what we do. We're sports fans. We compare stuff. My guy is better than your guy. My team is better than your team. In sports talk radio, no harm, no foul when it comes to comparisons. Of course, not really getting anything accomplished either. That reminds me, one of the great, great preachers I ever heard, Dr. Charles Keene, he was talking about many Christians and many of today's churches, and he compared to them to those kid toys that you have in the back seat of your car. You know, maybe those things that hang on the back seat. They had a steering wheel and a shift knob and a little horn. And, you know, they kept the kids occupied and, and busy, yet they didn't really accomplish much. Lots of Lots of noise, lots of moving parts, lots of lights, but it didn't really accomplish much. And he says that's what many of us and many of our churches are like. We're busy being busy with insignificant stuff, but we're not really getting much done, and I think there's some truth in that statement. But while there may be no harm and no foul in sports talk, there can be when we compare ourselves to other people in life. First off, 
Realize that everyone's circumstances are different. Their likes, their dislikes, goals, experiences, they're all different. They're going to cause people to act differently and to do things differently from one another. Remember that God created you to be you, not to be me or not to be anyone else. So don't try to be. Consider your talents that, that, that he has gifted you with. If he did not give you a gift for public speaking, don't bring yourself down by comparing yourself to someone who does have that particular gift. Now, yes, I want to encourage you by assuring you that it's all right to be unique. I want to do that in this segment. I want you to come away with that, with that but that's not the only thing I want to say here. Most times when people mock someone for being different, it's because they, they're too foolish or perhaps maybe even too unwilling to understand those differences. People very much, they want you to do things the way they do them. They want you to like the things they do. But rest assured, it's okay sometimes if you don't. It's okay to be unique. And as I say, I want to encourage you. But here's where I want to caution you on, you know, comparing ourselves with others. Yeah, it's okay to be different, but um, it can be very dangerous to assume that we are okay by comparing ourselves to someone else. It's so easy to do. Look at that guy over there. He's always drunk. I heard he beats his wife. He doesn't even like his kids. At least I'm not like that guy. I even go to church every once in a while. You think you're a good person because you've compared yourself to someone you think is worse than you. This despite the things that go through your heart and mind, and you know what they are. This despite the way you live outside those times you go to church. You know, people can fool themselves right into hell by thinking that, of course, you're going to heaven. It's not like I've murdered or raped or something like that. Jesus gave this account in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 10. I'm going to, I'm going to read, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. When Jesus told parables, he wanted people to see, well, probably many things, but at least these two things. For one, he wanted them to see that their sins and their way of thinking kept them far from God. And second, he wanted them to come to the realization that they needed to repent of their sins to be part of God's kingdom. Here was this man in the parable who really thought really very highly of himself, but he didn't seem to have any type of love or respect for others. But the tax collector, he was different. He knew he was a sinner, and he was sincere in his desire to repent. He was so humble, and he was so sorry for his condition that he would not even look to heaven. The tax collector was honest about himself as he prayed. Not only was he sad about the fact that he was a sinner, but he had sincere humility in identifying his need for God's mercy. Real humility sees things the way they are, regardless of how difficult that truth may be to accept. We may not like what we find out about ourselves when we have the humility to search our own hearts. The Pharisee saw himself as something great when indeed he wasn't. 
Yet the tax collector, he saw himself as a sinner needing God's mercy, which he was. I used the word dangerous earlier because when we look at ourselves through our own pride and we compare ourselves to someone we consider lower than us or maybe worse than us, it results in an overly inflated opinion of our own goodness. Hell is for people worse than me. I'm not really that bad. We ought not to compare ourselves to to someone else, except for perhaps maybe Jesus Christ himself, for he's the standard for acceptable holiness. There is nothing to gain by coming to God in, you know, wrapped up in that lie of pride. The Bible warns that God resists the proud, yet he gives grace to the humble. And this thought is so significant that it's repeated three different times in scriptures. You can find it in Proverbs 3.34, James 4, 6, and 1 Peter 5, 5. Jesus Christ is the only one who ever lived who was without sin. He was the only one who could rightfully stand before a holy God without blame. Romans three twenty three says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we convince ourselves that we are good enough, that we can measure up to God's holy standards, then what we say is that that verse is a lie. When we are humble enough to realize that our own sin has condemned us to hell already, then we come to the point where where we call out to God for mercy. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We can compare ourselves to Christ and see the depth of our own sins. We can compare ourselves with the law, the word of God itself, which Jesus is the bodily manifestation of. How do you compare with the Ten Commandments? Sure, you've probably never murdered somebody. But have you lied? Have you ever coveted something which someone else has? You ever stolen anything? Adultery? You know, we've all sinned, and therefore we're all guilty. But though he was the standard for holiness, Jesus elected to go to the cross and give up his life as a sacrifice, a sacrificial payment for the sins of all mankind, including you and me. But the good news is that death could not contain him, and he rose again from the grave, defeating death. He ascended to heaven, and there he stands waiting to accept you into the family of God. But you must come to that place where you realize what your sins cost you. And him. You need to admit to God that you are a sinner. And you need to repent of those sins. And you need to ask him to forgive you and to save you. He has a free gift of eternal life, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. None of us are good enough. Only Jesus was, and he gave himself willingly for you. It's only by God's grace that he freely offers that gift of eternal life through the shed blood of his son at the cross. Now, I'm not saying by repenting that you have to never sin again. Of course not. We still have this human nature that which we're always going to struggle with. But I am saying that once we know we are sinners and how God views sin and what God has done on our behalf to restore us, well, then your sins will they'll grieve you. And you'll come to God confessing them and seeking forgiveness. 
I'm not perfect. I still sin. But when I do, I'm pained by it. Is God talking to you today? Would you admit that you're a sinner? Well, then confess that to God. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. If you find out, if you want to find out more about that, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com, or send us an email here to the program. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country. Pet Solutions. Listen up, Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, and every other place that can hear this radio station. If you have a pest problem, don't waste your time with any company that's not named Town & Country Pest Solutions. I was a customer before they were the title sponsor of this show, and trust me, they know what they're doing. They have nearly three decades of experience ridding homes of wasps, bees, ants, roaches, bedbugs, squirrels, raccoons, snakes. Yes, I've seen a video of them taking care of a very large snake. You name it, Town & Country Pest Solutions handles it. They're so serious about solving your critter problems that they have an actual American Ninja Warrior on their team who will stop at nothing to get the job done. He can also get up on your roof without a ladder. What could be better? Pest problems solved and a show. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time, write this down, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear absolutely nothing but God. I've been telling you about McAfee's Remodeling Company on this show for a long time. They're family-owned and have been in business for nearly two decades. They're great for all your interior and exterior home remodeling needs, but they also do much more. McAfee's Remodeling is now proud to offer Hydro Garden Construction to help you become more self-sufficient by growing food in your own home year-round. And they are now proud to be offering skylights and light tunnel installation. Light tunnels bring more healthy natural light into your home, allowing you to use less artificial light and save on electricity. So give McAfee's Remodeling a call at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Zach, why don't you kick off shenanigans? A report surfaced this week that Joachim Noah is close to signing with the New York Knicks. Adding Noah to a roster that now includes Derrick Rose and Chris Stapps Porzingis would make the Knicks a legit playoff team. I think it would. Um... They're not going to beat the Cavs, but like we've said over and over again on this program, it's the East. If you have five healthy bodies, you could make the playoffs in the East. So I think, yeah, it makes them a team that could get to the playoffs. And now I'm going to agree. So long as they keep the Knicks in the East. Yes, why not? Melo is still among the league's best. 
though not a top five and probably not even a 10 any longer, but he's still someone opponents need to account for. And if Rose stays healthy and Porzingis doesn't suffer from the sophomore jinx, adding Joe Kim Noah makes the Knicks a very, very nice team. I wouldn't call them a threat to win a championship with that lineup, but make the playoffs? Sure. I'm actually going to disagree with you, and I'm going to say shenanigans here. I don't trust Rose to be able to make it through the season. Honestly, he hasn't proven that he can. Uh, Porzingis is obviously a stud, but in year two, there is still plenty of growing pains he's going to go through. Melo's declining. Everyone can see that. He hasn't proven he can win at this level anyway. And then you add a 31-year-old Noah who played in 29 games last year. Yes, his defensive grit and quality passing passing skills are they, they are important, and they're going to fit nicely in the triangle offense. But I didn't think they were a playoff team by adding Rose. So no way does adding Noah, who's very limited offensively, going to make Well, I think a, a lot of it team. depends on if Rose stays healthy, obviously. and I don't think no- he will. Well, maybe he doesn't, but it depends on how many games if he gets if he gets in. Let's say he gets in sixty games. That's that's a legitimate. That, that's a, a decent season. Yeah, you're fortunate to get sixty games. And then, but Porzingis, I, maybe the sophomore jinx, maybe Scares not. But me. you said Melo's declining, and I would agree. But he's still a very good player that opponents have to account for. At this point, though, don't you feel like Melo's more of a catch and shoot than anything else? Yeah, but what are you going to do? You just if you focus only on Mello and take him out, you still got Rose who can shoot. But again, like as you've already said, he's, he's got to stay healthy. He can't get to the rim like he used to though. Like I just don't see this team being any good. And how is Joe Kim Noah going to be your X factor? Remember they play in the East. That's true. You only have the Cavs to beat, really. So the Chicago Cubs. Chris Bryant went five for five on Monday night with three homers, two doubles, and six RBI in Chicago's eleven to eight win over Cincy. Truth or shenanigans, that's the most impressive hitting performance you've seen. I'm going to say shenanigans, for one. I didn't see it. (laughs) But other people have had pretty similar games. Ryan Braun had almost the exact numbers just a couple years ago. Four for five. He also hit three home runs, added a triple, six RBIs. But you probably didn't see that one either, did you? I I didn't see that one either. In 1993, I looked up... uh, Hard-hitting Mark Witten. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Hard-hitting Mark Witten. Yeah. He turned in a four-for-five night with four home runs, four runs scored, and an incredible 12 RBI. I'm not sure which is going to really be the best, but truth be told, I didn't see any of them. It's hard to argue with the 12 RBI for Witten. That's an incredible number. I think for me, even though I wasn't, you know, there to see it, for me, the most impressive hitting performance I've ever seen clips of is Reggie Jackson's World Series game where he hit three homers on three pitches. Yeah. I just, in in that atmosphere, to do that and back up what you say about yourself like Reggie did, to me, that's that's the highlight. Shenanigans, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but in 2003, Carlos Delgado, he went four for four with four home runs, four runs scored, six RBI. Uh, isn't that the definition of a, of a perfect day at the plate? But okay, he got one less hit than than Chris Bryant did. So I'm going to go to Sean Green, 2002 with the Dodgers. He went six for six with four home runs, two doubles, six runs, and seven RBI. So while Chris Bryant had a very impressive night the other night, it's not the most impressive one I've seen. Speaking of the Cubs, this week the Texas Rangers passed the Cubs to take sole position of the best record in baseball. The Cubs are a trendy World Series pick, and they're getting all the hype, but the Rangers are better. What do you think, Zach? I'm going to call shenanigans. I I think right now, 
their pitching staff isn't what the Cubs pitching staff is. Now, if Darvish comes back from being injured again, he and Cole Hamels are great. They're in the market for another starter, so they could get there. Right now, I think the Cubs are just a better rounded team. Although a lot of the great hitters the Rangers have are more experienced than the ones the Cubs have. See, I actually agree with the statement. I think the key to that is right now they're the best. That's not to say the Cubs won't finish out the season as the best. Mm-hmm. The Rangers are something like crazy 29 and 8, 29 and 9 since the beginning of May. Um, man, that's a tough pace to keep up. Yeah. I should say they were that until they ran into the New York Yankees this week. <laughs> but. And the buzzsaw um, that is D.D. Gregorius. Yeah, I mean, right now I give the edge to the Rangers, but they're playing great. Truth. As of right now, the Rangers are better. They have a better record, so therefore they're better. But it doesn't really matter. Both teams are good. One's in the NL, the other in the AL. So honestly, I'm hoping for a World Series matchup between these two. Then we won't have to guess who's better. We'll know. After Argentina lost to Chile in the Copa America Final, Soccer superstar Lionel Messi said he will no longer play for the Argentinian team. Truth or shenanigans, you believe Messi's retirement claims. Shenanigans. This is a typical overreaction from an athlete after an emotional loss, but it's it's not surprising. I mean, he is a soccer player, and they've been known to overreact to the slightest body contact, so this overreaction makes complete sense. I say shenanigans to that. Playing for your country is everything in soccer. It may not be the same in other sports. I mean, you could debate hockey, but in basketball, look, some of the best players aren't even going to Rio. You know, uh, the NHL is the top hockey league. The NBA is the top basketball league. But international soccer is definitely the most prestigious. And that said, why would he give that up? Seems to me it may have likely been an emotional decision and in time. I think he's going to have the itch to compete again internationally. And it's not as though he's an old guy, right? He's 29. I mean, right. I mean, it's not, it'd be one thing if this was a guy that was on the verge of retirement anyway, but that's not the case. So I say shenanigans. I agree. And that was going to be my main point was that he's 29. I don't know if soccer players age differently than other sports because of all the running, but in most sports, 29 is right at, in your, your prime years, you know, 28 through 30 thereabouts. He's, mostly agreed upon as the greatest player in the world. I don't think if you're that guy at 29, you have a chance to put up all-time great numbers and really be remembered as the greatest player that I don't think you make this emotional decision and just quit. You know, it was clearly an emotional decision. He was crying on the field and all that stuff. And I get that it was a tense situation for him, but I'm sure he'll be playing again very soon. A rankings list on SportsNot this week projected the Buffalo Bills to be among the NFL's top 10 defenses this coming season, a big rebound from finishing in the bottom 10 last year. Truth or shenanigans, the Bills will be a top 10 defense in 2016. You're probably the biggest Bills fan I know, so give me your answer. I say no. Um, and a year ago, I would have punched myself in the face for saying that. Rex Ryan was coming in. They had just been the number 5 defense the year before, but I mean... With the same players that finished fifth the year before, he managed to finish, what, 22nd last year or something like that. The pass rush, which was the strength of the team, was non-existent. And then Mario Williams left. You know, and, and the guys that they drafted are great players, and you've heard me say I'm very high on them, but they haven't played a down in the NFL yet. Shaq Lawson just had shoulder surgery. I don't think you can count on them to get this defense back to where it should be. So until I see it with my own eyes, I'm going to say shenanigans. Okay, the reason I asked you to go first is so I can adjust my answer because you being the 
the the detail guy, <laughs> the stats guy, the research guy. Um, if you said shenanigans, I'm dead wrong, but when I say I agree, I probably should. I'm just going to say shenanigans. <laughs> I had actually said I agreed. I thought they were strong two years ago. Perhaps last season was just a down down year. Um, but what you say makes sense, and you've turned me all the way around. I, I was figuring maybe Rob Ryan working with us, but maybe he can bring in some of those things that he's been uh, rumored to be a great coach. I, I guess I haven't seen that where I say, oh, yeah, you got to have that guy. But some people really talk very highly of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm just going to go with what you said. Darren, <laughs> no. what, we'll get Darren's and take on it, but... <laughs> absolute truth it made no sense that the bills had such a decline defensively last season after an incredible 2014 season especially with a defensive mind like rex ryan add his brother rob this year and i expect them to be better than top 10 i say top five defense uh last year's gonna prove to be just a fluke there's too much talent on this bills defense to be that bad again i expect greatness this year i think zach based on the unreasonableness of darren's last answer this would be a good time to play the unreasonable rant. Now the moment we've all been waiting for. Tom Brady wears Uggs. I have no knowledge of anything. I have no explanation for what happened. The highlight of the show. I'm not going to let our fans down. The reason people tune in week after week. Said no one ever. Darren's unreasonable rant. Pat Summit passed away this week, and it's terribly sad. She was obviously a very nice person and a great coach. Her players loved her, and she won 1,098 games. That's the most wins by a head coach in NCAA history. But I feel like that is the most misleading stat that's been thrown around all week. All of those wins came in women's basketball. And while impressive, it by no means means she's better than Bobby Knight, Coach K, Jim Beheimer, John Wooden. You're never going to convince me that someone who coaches in women's basketball, where there are roughly three good teams a year, UConn, Tennessee, and some Cinderella story, is better than those four coaching giants. I'm sorry, but that's how it is. Say all the nice things you want about Pat Summit. You should. You can even mention her impressive win total, but let's back off. Even though it's technically true, the most wins in NCAA history. It's flat out not as impressive as it would have been had she done it in the men's game. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Break away and put back layups. Three-point shots to start from the hip because the shooter lacks the strength to shoot the smaller, lighter ball properly just isn't fun to watch. The number of quality competitors is just vastly smaller and there needs to be an asterisk next to the most wins in NCAA history stat. It's misleading and honestly, maddening. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. My pest of the week is the umpiring crew at Yankee Stadium Monday night who called for a rain delay in the bottom of the ninth, which ended up lasting more than three and a half hours. I can understand hoping to get the game in, but conditions were well beyond what they should have been playing in. Play resumed at 2.15 a.m. in front of a Yankee Stadium that had, for the most part, just completely emptied of its fans. There was a hundred people maybe there. The game should have should have been suspended well before that, but the umpires hoped for the best and went against what should have been better judgment and left players out in horrible conditions. Now, let me tell you, if some high-priced star had gotten hurt, they'd be hearing about it from a lot more than just me. Yankees bullpen stud Aroldis Chapman had come out with the Yankees in the lead. 
struggled to pitch to one batter and part of a second before the game was stopped and a lengthy delay ensued. When the game resumed, the Yankees went to, had, had to change pitchers. They went to Kirby Yates, who proceeded to hit three batters and allowed the Texas Rangers to rally for four runs and a 9-6 to six win. And just to make things a little worse, these same umpires had actually delayed the start of that game by 21 minutes over concerns about rain, even though the tarp wasn't even on the field at the time. 21 minutes that may have allowed the game to be completed and Chapman to pitch the entire ninth inning. I'm not complaining about a Yankees loss. I'm complaining about an umpiring crew that should have known better. And if I had to guess, they probably went against their instincts and hoped they'd get it in. The umpires at Yankee Stadium this past Monday night, my pest of the week. My pest of the week is Zach Hampel. He's the guy who claims to have caught over 9,000 baseballs at Major League Games, including Barry Bonds' 724th homer, A-Rod's 3,000th hit, and Mike Trout's first big league home run. Hample was at Wednesday night's Yankees game and missed two home runs because of jostling with other fans. One of Brian McCann's homers hit him in the face after being tipped by a fan in front of Hample, and Didi Gregorius' walk-off home run was grabbed by another fan who reached for it at the same time as Hample. Both are common occurrences, and neither fan did anything except reach for a ball, which is just what you or I would have done. But Hample immediately got on Twitter to bash the other fans who actually caught the home run balls and whine about it, complaining that he didn't get to catch those homers and that the other fan had quote-unquote body-slammed him. Neither of those other fans did anything wrong, and the rest of us like catching home runs too. So whiny baby Zach Hample is my pest of the week. And you know, that guy has trampled. What do you say he's got like 9,000 yeah. home runs? He has trampled 8,000 people in pursuit of those home runs. Absolutely. So I think at this stage, people see him coming. They know who he is, and they're already strategizing. They already got a plan to take him out. Oh, I'm sure. They see him coming. They certainly have a plan. That's a good one. He can be my pest of the week anytime. And one thing that struck me is that those two home runs that he tried to get were in different areas. So at least one of those times, he was not in his own seat. Yeah. So That's the thing. I, I always no right felt like if it comes to your seat, great. If you're going six rows over and pushing through people, man, that's unfair. You get you what know? you get at that you point. You get what you get. Darren, who's your pest of the week? My pest of the week, and I've done this before, it's myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> June 29th, 2010 at 1.10 p.m., I, I posted on Facebook, I am so sick of hearing about LeBron James. Every time I turn on the TV slash radio, and let it be known, I'm a Knicks fan, and in capitals here, I do not want LeBron. If this happens, I'll be rooting for another team. That might possibly be the stupidest thing I've ever said in my life. I take it back. Maybe the Knicks could be a playoff team with LeBron, not Noah. And uh, maybe they could have won a championship with LeBron. I, I'm stupid for saying this, and I deserve to be my the pest it's, of the week. It's right up there with calling him less than a man halfway through the finals. Yeah, I've really put my foot in my, my foot in my mouth when it comes to LeBron. I regret it. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game's been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. For those guys, Zach and Darren, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this very same time. Have a great week, everybody. Have a happy and safe 4th of July weekend.